Hi, everybody. Will here with this week's interview chair. We have Amy Rodriguez. Let's sit back and enjoy an hour with Amy Rodriguez. Okay, ready? Yeah. Okay. Hi, everybody. Will here with this week's interview chair. I have none other than my dearest friend, Amy Rodriguez. How are you, Amy? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Will? I'm good. Look how beautiful you look. Oh, my God. Well, thank you. And you get this to stare at for the next hour. Oh, that's okay. Where are you at? <laughs> I'm in British Columbia with my boys. I was judging on the weekend, and then we spent, we're spending the week here just to hang out. We went whale watching yesterday. So. Very fun. Yeah. I love whale watching. Yeah, I, I noticed not your normal background. No, no, I even uh, I tried to tidy it up, and it's earlier here, so. But yeah, it was fun. We saw humpbacks, we saw orcas. It was fun. Oh, very good. Yeah. All right. We better get. It's, about, it's not about me. It's about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll interview you though. No, 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 no. You no. Can do that. <laughs> Maybe someday. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's start. How old were you and how did you get started in the world of dogs? I feel like this story has been told before. No, you never, do you know? No, cool. Oh, okay. Um, my parents started in mixed bred dogs that they competed in obedience with. And um, about the time my mom was pregnant with me, which I'm the sixth child, Sick. uh, they, Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I guess I'm the baby. Um, they got their first Brittany. And uh, some, actually, uh, Gretchen Schultz's parents, Walt and Joe Schellenbarger, yep. saw them walking through the dog show with their Brittany. And um, I think I was just a baby at the time and said, actually, Joe took my mom aside and said, let me teach you how to show dogs because that's one of the most beautiful Britneys I've ever seen. So Joe and Walt actually taught my mom and dad how to show dogs. And then I grew up going to the dog shows with them. Um, there's a seven year age gap between um, my brother and I, he's the next oldest for me. And so none of my brothers and sisters wanted to watch me while my parents went off to dog shows. So I had to go to the dog shows and I was addicted. There's pictures of me with the, you know, pink foam rollers in my hair, curlers, and sleeping in the dog crate with the Brittany. And so, of course, I wanted to show dogs when I got older. Um, I started showing when I was six and, uh, I think I still hold the record. Maybe not. I won the Brittany National when I was nine years old um, with a dog that was one month older than I was. Wow. <laughs> that's I think that's a record that no one else no. has. <laughs> I've never uh, heard of that. So at Lamar Mathis, 19. Oh, I'm not even going to say the year because I almost aged myself there. No, I was nine years old um, and it was a great time. Yep. Then I was hooked after that. I think I won my first best in show at 12 with the son of the dog that I won the national with. And then it just kept rolling from there. How did it keep rolling? Did you, did you, how do you decide that you wanted to be a handler? 
but you're 12. So, you know, I'm going to be a handler. So <laughs> I don't think I ever thought I was going to be a handler. Um, I did start getting, um, uh, I remember I got flowers sent to me from different handlers after I won my first best in show. And That's I was thinking that was kind of odd. And, but, um, Danny Canino, um, actually came up to my mom when I was 12 and said, I know she's too young to really work, but I want to teach her. Cause I think she's like got raw talent and she needs to start learning other breeds. So whenever she was around, my mom would let me go work for her. And my mom was always scared because that was a tiny little thing growing up. Um, there were always the stories of my knee-high socks. Do you remember those? Have you ever heard those? No? So you don't remember. I had to wear knee-high socks because I had the skinniest little legs. And so it was, my nickname for a long time was Bobby Socks. So um, uh, my mom was worried about Danny's um, Rottweilers knocking me over. But... I loved I loved working with the Rottweilers, Clumbers, Papillons, and then from there, I worked. I've been blessed to work for some great names. I think um, Mike Shea, um, and he was a great groomer. You remember Mike, yep. right? And then um, uh, Corky and Sue were the last handlers that I worked for before I was um, started to show some on my own. Now, how but old I, were you, though? You, when you worked for Danny, she, you were you were young, so you probably didn't work full-time, right? No. Who was your first full-time job? Um, Pam and Leroy Stage. Do you remember That's those names? I don't know. No. Okay. Um, Pam eventually married Mike Shea. Okay. And But before that, um, she and Leroy... Um, she had some top-winning Dalmatians. She had some Whippets, I think from the same lines that, I want to say they're related to the lines that Lori wilson um line comes from. And then she had um, Sammy's for, um, goodness, God, now you're going to get me on the, the names. Marty Ward. Uh, you remember Tom Ward? Yes, yep. Yes, that whole family. Pam used wow. to show their Sammies years ago. And uh, Leroy showed, had top winning Rhodesian Ridgebacks for um, Barbara Rupert. Gosh, I can't believe I remember these names. You're good at this. I couldn't do this. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should apply for my judging license while I remember all these names <laughs> in history. <laughs> Um, but I think it just kept rolling. I worked for one person after another. Um, Pam and Leroy did break up, um, and then Pam married Mike, and I um, worked for the two of them together. Um, I did get to work for some great Doberman handlers, not full-time living, but, um, I mean, I did work for a while for Andy and for Mo, and, um, I mean, oh, Bill Shelton. Oh, it's well. a great trio of doorman handlers. Wow. Mm -hmm. I always question after working for them, how did I get into golden retrievers? Why wasn't I more of a doberman handler? Um, but I did, I mean, they were amazing, all three of them in different ways, amazing to learn from on how to handle a dog. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure. And that would be amazing to learn from those three, or just mm -hmm. even one of them. Yeah. They're all just amazing. Wow. Mm -hmm. 
One of the best things um, Bill Shelton ever did was he made you believe in your own abilities. And if you um, were in a winner's class and he won multiple classes with dogs and you were his assistant, and he said, take this one back in, he would be encouraging you to try to beat him to win. And I remember thinking, oh, when I become a professional handler and I have an assistant, I want to be the same way because that built something within me to be more competitive and try to win. So I will always thank him for that. What a great trait. He's mm -hmm. like that judging too. You know, and you're, uh, you never see an exhibitor leave his ring unhappy, no matter what they get from him. It's I stopped him one time and asked him because it, I just found it amazing. They were all happy. Yeah, I think it's he laughs a lot and he enjoys it a lot, so it kind of carries. He told me he tries to say something nice about every dog he examines, mm -hmm. and it's true. If you listen to him, like not so much with people he knows, but if you listen to him, he's always you can see him discussing things with the exhibitor on the table, and and they always leave happy, you know. Mm -hmm. All right, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. What's the next question? I want to keep going. Where did it go from the Doberman handlers? You're not a professional oh, handler yet. Okay. Uh, from the Doberman handlers, there were times that I worked um, off and on for uh, Bill and Taffy because um, I was working for Corky and Sue, and they had my friend um, Jessica Wee was their assistant. And when we, um, because she and I were both really heavy in school, um, we couldn't travel with the handlers that we worked for. So if Corky went to Northern California, Corky and Sue went to Northern California and Bill and Taffy came South. We kind of switched and worked for each other's bosses for those given weekends. Um, Cause I stayed South and she stayed North. So um, I did work for them, but not as a living, just at shows. I remember getting to work for them at like great Western Terrier Association, getting a bunch of terriers ready. And um, that's when I met Gabriel because Gabriel was working for them at the time. And that's about the time that I started getting into Smooth Fox Terriers as well. And I questioned, I loved the breed and loved looking at them. And but coming from sporting dogs, a lot of them weren't the greatest of walkers. And so I would pick Gabriel's brain all the time and ask him um, why this, why that. And I think he got sick of me, but um, he was a great teacher about um, terriers as well. So um, then I think I went to UCLA and when I was in college, I didn't really get to help handlers that much. I would do big events here and there, but I wasn't a full live-in assistant. And I actually. What did you take in college? I'm going to interrupt you. What did you, what did you take in college? English. English. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, English. A lot of reading, a lot of writing, which is probably why I do what I do now. Um, and out of college, I um, worked for um, a company as a systems analyst. So I was doing a lot of computer work. I actually even hired handlers to start showing my dogs when I was working. Um, uh, Gabriel showed some, but I think Woody showed more of my um, smooths for a little while. And um, I think Peter and Beth had uh, some of my smooths on the East Coast as well. Um, but um, yeah, that's summarizing everything up really, really fast. There was a point, though, that someone asked me to come back to showing dogs full-time and make it a business, 
And I kind of hated always being called a weekend warrior. Do you know that term? Mm-hmm. We all know those people. Yep. I mean, you work so hard during the week at your normal job. And when you come to the dog shows, you're just a weekend warrior because you haven't really paid your dues all week long working on those dogs. So it was an opportunity to see what could I really do in dogs if I dedicated my life to just it. And I was thankful for my computer skills, bring them into showing dogs and using them for invoicing, creating schedules, keeping on top of having it as my own business. Um, and I, my first big winning dog um, on my own as a handler was a golden retriever bitch, Taryn's impeachable offense. Her call name was Monica. And... Um, I think she kind of put me in the realm of being a professional handler. So how old were you at this point starting out? Oh, uh, mid-20s, I want to say. Yeah, mid-20s. And I was breeding smooths at that point in time. I really hope I'm not leaving anybody out because there were so many people that were so important to how I became who I am. I hope I'm not leaving out a name. And if I am, I will apologize to you later. Well, don't worry. We still have time and hopefully we can uh, get, get, I'll, I'll get more mentors out of you. Yes. <laughs> okay. So um, Sandra Kim Hoffman was a lady in New York that was told that I was a talented handler and she sought me out to show dogs for her. And convinced me to quit my uh, job and just show dogs. And what breed did she have? She had Monica. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Golden Retrievers. Yep. So, um, and then Mr. Michael Faulkner. Um, I just saw Michael this week and he was in the panel with me. Or I was in the panel with him. <laughs> another huge, um, important mentor asset in my life. He, um, I would always pick his brain when I was learning golden retrievers and, um, I asked him about my grooming on Monica. How did it all look? And he came at a show to come look at her and tell me what he might do different. And then he noticed that I had this smooth Fox Terrier in the end run. And he's like, Oh my God, that dog is beautiful. That dog should be being shown full time. He's absolutely amazing and I said oh it's just my own dog you know and then he spoke to Sandy Hoffman and uh, they owned him together and then that was Tux which was my first big winning smooth fox terrier and um, I think he still holds the record for breeder owner handled fox terrier best best in show winner well that's amazing I didn't know so that, Michael, before, but Michael, yeah, wow. Michael was involved with helping my smooth line ever be known or be famous or have an owner that would believe in them. So, yep, Michael Faulkner. <laughs> I just, well, I, if on today, today's, the other videos I do, he's oh. in the 10 questions. I asked 10 questions of Michael Faulkner. It was a lot of fun, so. And he's, he's so quick-witted, too. You know, he's another person we can all learn a lot from. But I, I definitely owe him for that, seeing something in that dog and uh, pushing me to show him full-time and, and Sandy owning him for me. 
that is amazing. That's a great story. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to keep going. Where where did it go from there? Oh, my goodness. I want I, everything, so. No, there might be some years I don't want to talk about anymore. But you, can, you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not no. your springer, so. Okay, no. There, there's nothing bad. There's nothing bad. Everything makes you who you are. That's um, true. But, um, uh, definitely dated different people in dog shows, um, married someone in dog shows, um, and all of it plays a part on who I am now and a lot of successes together, um, a lot before, um, but um, where do I go now? Um, After Tux, I still was living in California. I think I moved to Michigan shortly after that. Um, started the Blue Rose Kennels business mm-hmm. and um, amazing, amazing career of some of the most. Um, one of the things I absolutely love about showing or loved about showing dogs, and you tell me if you found the same thing. Some of the people that we showed for and what they did for a living and who they were that they had um, the ability to support dogs, you know, um, the finances, whatever it is, to support dogs. But I think of some of the amazing people I met for being able to show dogs for them and what they've done with their life. So, for example, Mr. Malzoni is incredible. Sandra Kim Hoffman um, is incredible. And I don't want to go into their personal lives because that's their stories. Um, um, Ken and Robin Greenslade, amazing. Um, John Bechi, amazing. Uh, Allison Godfroyd, uh, Fitzpatrick, and Sean Fitzpatrick, amazing. Um, and where they are now, and um, Barbara Hainline and Mark Hainline. I-, I can go on and on, but some of the clients... That has been really cool on top of the dogs. Um, and then it, it became a pattern of showing for the same people and watching their breeding programs progress. Um, Connie uh, from Purina with the Dalmatians, I mean, uh, and uh, Debbie with her Dalmatians, being a part in those breeding programs. And even if they want to listen to a little snippet of advice here or there or how they're going to do something with breeding and showing the next Dalmatian or showing the next Brittany, that has been really a lot of fun to me because I, as much as I'm a professional handler, I am a breeder owner handler. And I love watching them from the beginning all the way to what you can make them or what they are bringing out their best. Okay, I feel it's like I'm talking too much. What's that? <laughs> I feel like I'm talking too much. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, that, no you're, that's absolutely the truth. When, you, when I think about some of my dearest friends are my clients that I've had over the years, and that shows a sense of loyalty as well, because you, you talk to to other handlers and they'll go through clients like it's water. And mm-hmm. I, had, I had some that I've been showing dogs 20 years so it's yeah they become like family um and and unfortunately you spend more time with them than your own family and that's one thing that i do have a lot of regret now at this age of my life is how much time was spent away from family so um 
but definitely amazing people. Um, the dog of my life um, is was definitely Dodger. Yeah. Well, why don't you give me the Dodger story too? The Do- Dodger has a great story. I want to hear. Um, that's what. That's what it's uh, all about. So. Uh, so. The, the picture right here, that's actually Tux. And when um, Tux died, I was like so sad. And he didn't, he retired with his co owner, um, uh, Joe Ovalle. And that was the hard thing too, sending the dogs home. Um, but he, he retired with Joe and he would send me videos and send me pictures of him all the time. And when he was getting sick, he would tell me the progress of what was happening and how he was getting sick. And when he actually passed, I didn't want to go to a dog show, didn't want to go to a dog show. Um, and Palm Springs was coming up. So I had to get it together, get my current golden, get my current smooth and fly out to, um, um, Palm Springs and I'm wearing my sunglasses because I don't know. I'm not really that emotional, but that dog, I was that emotional over. I'm walking through the dog show with my sunglasses on, and I see this man walking this smooth puppy, and he's dragging his nose on the ground, and he's being really bad. And I was like, oh, my God, that looks just like Tux. And so I found my coat reader, and I was like, who is that puppy? That looks just like Tux. And she goes, oh, of course it does. That's his grandson. That's so-and-so that we bred with blah, blah, blah. And, you know, because I had moved, I wasn't on top of what my breeding partner in California was doing. And I didn't know who had what. I didn't recognize this man. Um, But that was Dodger walking around with this man. And I was showing um, a Sebastian son, which, you know, Heidi Gervais? Mm Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, uh, Sebastian was one that I co-owned with Heidi. I, had I remember a, Sebastian. I love Sebastian. Um, his picture's up there. So they're all over in this room somewhere. But um, uh, And I won best in sweepstakes with the Sebastian son. But I kept pointing to this puppy over there that this man had. And everyone's like, oh, he's skinny. He's this. He's that. He's not behaving really well. And I was like, I'm telling you, that's the great one right there. I love that one too. So, um, half hour after the show was over, that, that man that was walking that puppy comes over with a crate, a health certificate and the dog and says, I hear that you really love this dog and it's really your breeding. And I'm sorry about Tux. Um, I would really like it if you take this dog home. I know you'll do better with it than I ever could. That's an amazing story. You gave me a bit of a goosebump thing story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. So I called home at the time and said, I'm coming back with another dog. Um, not another smooth, yet another smooth. <laughs> uh, I flew from there to um, the Florida circuit. And this smooth kept climbing out of the X-Pen and finding me wherever I was in the dog show. And I was so there was like an instant bond. He knew that I fell in love with him and he fell in love with me. Three times, I think, he got out of that X-Pen before I put a top on it so he couldn't do it anymore. But um, And then it was just trying to get him to learn to put his head up. And find, he was totally the ugly duckling story because he had no confidence in himself. 
Um, and then he became this swan that was loved being a dog, a show dog, and always did it on a loose leash, holding his own head. So um, Dodger, um, I always say that when I looked at Dodger in the eyes, I could see Tux. And so they were almost one and the same, the two dogs. But I was definitely blessed to have two of them. And then, um, again, there's more than two because then there's Debit and Sebastian yeah. and all the other guys in between. Now now Desmond and, and Frank. I've, had, I've been blessed with some really great smooths. That's an amazing story, though. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, all because someone was generous enough to share this dog. So I was super happy. Well, you you uh, you have a keen eye for dogs, obviously. What about any dogs that you wish you'd been a part of or that have made a great impact on you that you weren't involved with but well, aren't being shown right now? So. That aren't being shown right now. I'll yeah. never forget the Irish setter dog you showed. Um, I love that dog. I think I told you that thousand one times. Viper, yeah. Oh, yeah. that was like one of my favorite dogs I ever saw that I never showed um, how long ago was that? That was around 2004, 2005. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I always, I would, I was hunting that dog down for a puppy out of him in the worst way. I so badly wanted something because he was one of the most beautiful Irish setters I've ever seen. Yeah. He was my, wow. one of my buddies too. He was, he was like a person. He came with me and he just, I'm sure he understood every word I said. He was incredible. So. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love growing up watching um, Indy and Andy. I thought that was, yeah. uh, they were an amazing team and she was beautiful. Um, uh, growing up, I mean, I love Mick and um, the Carrie Blue was just beautiful to me. Um, let's see. Gosh, there's too many to say. I remember seeing the French do that. Oh, can't say anything about any current dogs. So you can cut that out. <laughs> yeah. Cut that out. We didn't get a say. say who it was. It doesn't matter. So. <laughs> okay, good. Um, um, dogs. You stumped me. Oh, or at least no. maybe I'm just tired of talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go back to mentors. And as you talked about some earlier ones, there's probably ones out there that they don't even know that they were your mentors. I, I think that a lot of the people that I had as breeding partners um, in the, through the years maybe didn't get as much credit as they deserved because it was my name was more well-known at the time. But there were so many people that I've bred with whether it was and I don't know if you know Broxton is my kennel name, um, my personal kennel name, and it stands for BR is Brittany's, OX is Fox, and DN is Golden's. And there have been so many people that, without their help in those three breeds, the success of Broxton wouldn't have happened. So I always wish that I could make this big long list. And if I have an opportunity like this, read all their names off. But I just want to say all of you, you know who you are and you know how important you were to all of the dogs. And um, I always say a great dog is um, a collaboration. 
Um, not only does it take a great breeding partner, but it takes a great owner and it takes a great handler and a, a great dog to really have the magic. Oh, your beagle that you did a lot of, now I'm going to point to all the dogs you showed, but your <laughs> beagle was pretty special. Well, yeah, I can remember when you, when you first saw her, it was the Tar Heel, I think, when you first saw her. And you... I See, I, I find dogs before they're famous. Yeah, I, you and I, I do like, I have a game where I try to find dogs at dog shows that I've never seen before that inspire me and then tell the person with the dog that they have the dog and that it inspires me. I think it's a great dog. Um, and I do like to then go back and see which ones have become famous after a while. Um, I got to judge English Setter sweepstakes in Palm Springs a couple of years ago. I think you were judging a sweepstakes there too. And I put up this English Shutter bitch, and I thought she was so lovely. And Gareth Luck Patterson is a mentor um, of mine. He did a video on what makes a terrier a great terrier. And that's another story. I'll come back to that. But from ever since I first watched that video, he was a man that had my respect. And I judged sweepstakes. He judged the regular classes. I put the bitch best in sweepstakes. He put it best of winners. And so I was like so excited because a judge that I had so much respect for found the same thing that I found. And then just recently, the handler that has it sent me a picture um, and he had taken it out for one weekend and um, done some winning in the group. So I was like, okay, maybe I should judge. So, <laughs> but um, Garrett, sorry, go ahead. I said, of course you should judge. Sorry. Yeah, we'll see. I am. Re- I think I am ready. I think I am ready. If the process wasn't so difficult, I probably already would be. But um, we'll see. Uh, Gare did a video a long time ago that someone passed to me, and it was before I ever showed him a dog. And he talked about the snippets of looking at a, um, any terrier um, just through the eyes. And that you should know what terrier it is just by looking at it, you know, through the eyes, um, because each one is slightly different. And he also talked about the three like-sized terriers: the Welsh, um, the Lakeland, and the Fox Terrier. And if you blacken them out, you should know what breed it is by their silhouette. And we shouldn't be being confused by what breed they are, which kind of sometimes happens nowadays. Yeah, I have a theory with this three setters too, and I liken them to those three terriers. So. Oh, I love that. So before I ever even knew who he was, I saw this video he had done. And um, then he got to judge the breed and smooth fox terriers at the garden. And everyone told me, you have no shot to win. You have no shot to win. And this was with Dodger. This was the year that he, this was 2010. So was the year, and um, you know, we showed him February. And I had had this unbelievable month in January on the Florida circuit. I don't remember how many best in shows he won, but it was like crazy winning. Like I'd never done with a dog before. So I come into the garden and everyone's telling me, don't expect to win. You're, you're, you know, this is not, this judge is not going to put your dog up. So-and-so is going to win. This is going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? Everyone is going to see this dog. And I remember going into the ring with such um, fire in my stomach. And I was going to put on a show, not over the top, 
but everyone was going to see this dog. Whether I won or lost, everyone was going to see that this dog should have won. And um, little did anyone know, he wasn't feeling good that morning. So I was a little concerned. I was like, oh, no. But he still, fox terriers don't let you know they're sick until they're really sick. So he went in the ring and showed like gangbusters. There's a picture where I come in for the free stack and I'm kneeling and everyone in the crowd is like watching. Um, it's one of my favorite dog show pictures ever. And sure enough, we won the breed. And that was under the man that everyone said I had no shot, no shot to win under for political reasons. But I had listened to his videos and knew he was such a great dog man. And I, he just looked at my dog and it was like one of the best wins of my entire life ever. Bar, bar none, best breed in the garden that year, 2010. I think I got group two under Lorraine Boutwell to Gabriel with a Scotty. So it was a great day. Yeah. Wow. Another good story. Wow. Well, let's let's move on from that. If a youngster came up to you and said they wanted to be a professional handler, what advice would you give them? <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> it's really, really hard because it's not like it used to be. No. And I hate to say that because I always want to be encouraging. I always want to inspire the next generation. And if we don't, where is it going to go? But I am a little concerned anymore that it's not what it used to be. Too many dog shows and um, too diluted. Um, but on the other hand, to find the things that are encouraging, the time with your dog and um, training and building a relationship um, and I think is um, really, really good for any kid. Um, coming home from school and uh, training and trimming my dog was um, one of the highlights of my week. And it's like anything with any animal, you learn responsibility and uh, you learn uh, what you put in, you get out. Um, I think, I hope, Oh, just recently, I heard that there's a new rule, um, at least down here, that uh, they're allowing kids to show other people's dogs. Yes, and I think that's good dog. for the sport yeah. because um, for the kids that don't have their own dog or can't afford it, um, that allows things to open up a little bit more. Um, I did like when they used to ask questions. And I did like when they let us change dogs with each other because that showed more ability. I understand the reasons why we don't anymore, but those are kind of the things that I say it's not the way that it used to be. Yeah, we've always um, needed to do that up here. And we've never had to own our dogs. So like as a as a child, I showed Afghans, Irish setters, beagles, whippets, everything. They get the opportunity to do right. that. Yeah, I was and, I was judging junior handling this weekend, and I, I gave a very talented handler best overall. But this young man I gave second to, he was showing a Gordon Center, and when I came out, uh, Stewart said to me, well, "That young man's really good. He usually shows this, but he he always goes around it." And she said, "He should probably just stick with one dog. He'd do so much better." And I said, "Not in the long run, he wouldn't." I said, "He's doing the right thing." Because he pulled that Gordon Setter, and they're not an easy breed to show. No. 
he did mm-hmm. a great job and he probably did it because I was judging. He probably knew I had mm-hmm. a kinship too. <laughs> kind of smart. <laughs> right. But, but I was impressed when I found that out because I think that I think that's who what made me who I am. That I was able to show whatever I wanted to because in juniors I showed whatever I wanted to. So mm-hmm. I, I'm concerned um, in working for. I think okay, back up. <laughs> Sorry, the kids, the kids that worked for Handlers, I have. Um, I think they're learning a lot more than what's happening in junior handling right now for me. Um, the fact that there's stats in junior handling, the fact that there's all the rankings that didn't exist when I was a junior. Um, it used to be that when you got to the garden at the end of the year, you found out what your ranking was for the year. So all year you're just working for every show that you go to. And the, the camaraderie was much more there. We were all friendly with each other because I don't think anyone was keeping score. Mm-hmm. And I think now with that ranking system, the kids are becoming like the adults and a little bit too obsessed with the rankings instead of enjoying what the sport's supposed to really right. be about. That makes um, sense. But I, I do um, know they are the future of the sport. So what can we do to keep them inspired? I am excited about them getting to show whatever breed of dog. I do have my license to judge juniors and I do enjoy judging juniors, but I have a hard time when I'm doing it, not trying to teach when I'm doing it or give a little piece of advice. So yeah, it's hard. I know I'm the same way because I, I do a lot of teaching. So I find it hard when you're in juniors trying not to correct things and give them advice, but oh well. <laughs> yeah. So you've had an amazing career. Any more goals? You have another goal in dogs? I want to say I'm I'm really lucky and blessed. Um, I never won um, a big event like I've never gone best in show at Westminster like you have. The best I've done is a group two, um, and I've never gone best in show at like Royal Canaan, the AKC show. But I did go. Um, best veteran in show with Dodger there. And I did win best bred by in show with one of my golden retrievers there. So I kind of feel like I have accomplished a lot of my goals and I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity to stop the systems analyst job and see what I could do. And um, I feel like I accomplished a lot and I'm thankful for that. I hope that um, I shared a lot of knowledge with people along the way and mentored a lot. And all the kids that ever worked for me, they're my kids now. And uh, I love them all dearly. There's not one that I don't. Um, but I, I definitely feel lucky. You, you know, I still have um, smooths that I'm breeding. Um, the Brittany. Um, I love my Britneys. Uh, I don't actively breed them as much. I more breed them with my breeding partners, but I'm pretty proud of the one that's out that's doing some winning up in your uh, country. Um, uh, I, I think I still want to breed and show what I breed and spot show for someone here or there. But again, if I become a judge, which I think that's what I'm leaning towards, I probably won't be showing dogs as much for other people. Right. I think the best way for me to give back now is probably to judge 
Well, I agree. I think we all need to do that. So one more question. Uh-oh. Yeah, I know. Uh-oh. Everybody says oh to this question. <laughs> if you were to meet the, let's say the 20-year-old Amy Rodriguez on the street, what advice would you give her now? Oh, no. I know. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. No, just kidding. Oh, <laughs> um, no. Um, what would I tell her? Yeah, everything happens for a reason. And um, when you get to be this age, you're going to be the healthiest and happiest you've ever been. So just live it. And um I feel great now, so I'm, I'm 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 thankful for everything that I've been through, um, and I I feel blessed. Seriously, I feel so lucky in so many ways. Um, I'm so excited about what's next. So, twenty year old Amy, you got a lot to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. All right, I won't keep you any longer. Oh, no. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you. thank you, Will. Good to see you again. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Amy. That was a great interview, and I knew it would be. If you like what we're doing here, make sure you press the like, share, and subscribe button. If you want to find out what's happening in Will's world, just go to willalexander.net. Go to talk to me, go to dogshowtips at gmail.com. And don't forget about the podcast every Thursday with myself and Wayne Cavanaugh, The Dog Show Drive. Take care, guys.